All right, if you would take your Bible this morning and turn to 1 John chapter 4. As we continue in our study through this book of love and truth that's given to us through the pen of the Apostle John under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. But the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the title of the message this morning is simply, Love is of God. Love is of God. Emphasis on the word of. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have to open thy precious word. We thank you that we have a complete copy of the inspired revelation that you gave. And Father, we thank you for your promises that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And uh, Father, as we look into the word of God today, that we be comforted and encouraged, strengthened, challenged, convicted. And Lord, if there's any in our midst who have never been born again by the Spirit of God, do not have the love of God dwelling in their hearts. By faith in Christ Jesus, I pray the Spirit of God would bring conviction and repentance, a change of heart and mind, and salvation we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen. He starts out in verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. Now this command is written to us, the Lord's church, or churches, and members of his body. And he uses that word, John uses that word beloved quite often. The word beloved means esteemed one, or one who is dear. He uses it five times in this five chapters. It's used in chapter 3 and verse 2, where he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Again, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. And then here in verse 7, and again in verse 11. Uh, This was a... This was also a definitive word used of the Father about the Son. Uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says there, uh, Jesus baptized, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And again in Matthew 12, 18, which is a, actually a quotation from 
Isaiah 42 and verse 1, where he says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. And again at Matthew 17, at the Mount Transfiguration, in verse 5 there he says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased to hear you him. So when the Spirit of God leads John to write, Beloved, our Lord has us in mind. We who are saved. We are who are is His children. Uh, his dear ones. That's what that really means. We are His dear ones. You know, Daniel was called three times in the book of Daniel. Daniel, greatly beloved. Greatly beloved. And when Paul wrote the book of Romans to the churches in Rome, he says in Romans 1.7, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, dear to God, esteemed ones, called to be saints. Peter, in 2 Peter, uses it six times, once referring to the Lord and five times referring to Christians. You know, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Christ loved the church. He loves His people. They are beloved to Him. So much so that He gave Himself for it. So they are His esteem. And really, Ephesians 5.25, in Ephesians 5.25, we see the true essence of love. In that little phrase, gave Himself. Because the essence of love, biblical love, is giving. It's giving. It's giving of self. Biblical love and selfishness are polar opposites. They're polar opposites. Jesus' life was not about him. He said, it's not my will, but thine be done. And so as we think about this love that is of God, I want to notice... Several things. I believe I have three points here this morning. First of all, there's a command to love in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Let us love one another. The, the, the phrase there, the let us love, is, is one word. In Greek, it means to love, be full of goodwill, exhibit the same, to have preference for, or wish well to, have regard for the welfare of another. So again, the, the focus is not on yourself, it's on another. Not on yourself. This word is used over in Luke 7, verse 5, where speaking of the centurion, the Roman centurion, and the Jews came to Jesus seeking that he would, they would heal this centurion's servant. And so they, this is what they, the Jews said about him, For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Now, it's obvious, I think, that this Roman centurion gave of himself to build a synagogue or a place of worship for the Jews to worship their God, to worship the God of heaven. And again, he believed the Jewish God to be the God of heaven. That's why he built it. And so, and this was a place for teaching of the word of God, the Old Testament scriptures. You know, of course, the temple would... uh, you know, as the Jews were scattered about, they built these synagogues. And so, you know, uh, this, is, and this love, this command to love, has been a constant subject of the Holy Spirit through the pen of John and here in this book of 1 John. 
that he commanded us. And John was, you know, th- this was something he wrote often about. In fact, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, in verses 34 and 35, the Bible says there, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Uh, in 1 John chapter 2, in verses 7 through 11, he says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the, true, the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even unto now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. It's like having blinders on your face. you hate your brother, you've got blindness. You know, bitterness and hatred will blind you to the truth. Chapter 3, verse 11. This is the message that you heard from the beginning. He, he keeps saying over, from, over, from the beginning. That we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not. My brethren, if the world hate you, we know we have passed from death and life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And again in verse 23 he says, And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And then and here we have it again in chapter 4. And I believe it's a little further explanation where he says that this love is of God. Love is of God. You know, why so much written about loving one another? Because we're self-centered by nature. We don't naturally love each other. That's not human nature. In fact, human nature is described very vividly for us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3. But there it says we were all by nature the children of wrath. Yeah, we just had a shooting here recently, real close. That's what we are by nature. So I'd never do such a thing. No, because you've been trained not to. But if you were left to yourself from the day you were born till the day you're now living and left to yourself without any training whatsoever, without no respect of life, no teaching uh, concerning the, 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 the what is right and what is wrong, that'd just be the natural thing for you to do. If somebody offended you, you just, you just get rid of them. That's human nature. That sounds appalling to us, but that is the truth. You see, we are self-centered by nature. And as I said earlier, that biblical love and selfishness are polar opposites. They're polar opposites. We do not naturally give consideration to others. We don't naturally examine our own ways of dealing with others, even our own family and our children. We don't give consideration. Jeremiah 10, verse 23, but the Bible says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. 
See, it's not in the nature of man to do that which is right and pleasing in the sight of God. It's not in the nature of man to love one another. Because love is giving of yourself, and we are selfish by nature. You know, the world's philosophy is, I am the one I need to be concerned about. I need to take care of me. me. And if anybody gets in my way, they need to get out of my way, or I'm going to get them out of my way. That's... That's the philosophy of the world. You know, the philosophy of the world is you just treat people just like they treat you. If they treat you nasty, you're nasty to them. You know, I've heard this often. You fight fire with fire. No, you don't. If you fight fire with fire, the fire will only get bigger. And fire consumes and destroys. You know, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end there are the ways of death. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's ungodly counsel. You see, God commands us to love, to consider the welfare of others. You know, Colossians three nineteen says, Husbands, be not, love your wives and be not bitter against them. The word bitter means do not render anger or visit with bitterness. Don't be exasperated or irritated at. Close your ears, ladies. You men know that women can be irritating, right? But God commands us not to be irritated at them. Exasperated with them. They're different than us. They're just different than us. I'm thankful they are. They're different than us. And they can be exasperated, but we're not to be bitter against them. In fact, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. If you're not loving your wife, don't expect to have fellowship with God. Those are two opposites, again. See, we are commanded to love one another. Whether it's our wife, our children, or those we meet. We are commanded to be people of love, not people of hate. Now, we may be accused of being hate, hateful. You know, 1 John 4, and verses 20 and 21 says this, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? If you hate your fellow man whom you can see, how can you say, who you can see, who is made in the image of God, how can you say you love God when you can't see him? See, this is the command we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So we see this command. There is a command here to love. Secondly, I want you to notice the origin of this love. In verses 7 and 8 again, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Love is of God. That word of, as they tell me, is a preposition. It denotes origin. Denotes origin. 
So it could be said, love is from out of God or comes forth from God. True love comes from God. There is no true love in the world. John would tell us in here in chapter 5, in verse 19, the whole world lieth in wickedness. You know, the God of this world, Jesus said, is a murderer and a liar and deceiver. He is not giving of himself. He is self-serving. You know, he said this, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. I, 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 that's selfish. And he uses the impressive empires and the great men of this world to see the hearts of men. With, with, with many times appearing good deeds. In fact, go to Revelation chapter 17, and we get a pretty vivid description of this. Revelation chapter 17, verse 5. Uh, <clears throat> and ver- says this, and upon her head was forehead was the name written Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, and then if you go to chapter 18, he, he describes for us the destruction of this mother of harlots, as it's referred to, which we believe to be uh, apostate religion headed up by the Roman Catholic Church. And, and in chapter 18, In verses 20 through 24, notice what it says. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets. For God hath avenged you on her, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, shall be found no more at all. The voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the soul, sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. Light of the candles shall shine no more at all in thee. The voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And I didn't have time to read all this, but... Verse 24 says, And her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. You know, this is a picture of apostate religion and the world system being destroyed by God. And it talks about how they've dealt with, not only they dealt with in business, but they dealt with the souls of men. And they have deceived the souls of men. They have taught rebellion against the truth of God. Your religion is not, false religion is not, is not something that has any good in it. It's deceptive. Damningly deceptive. I know that's strong terminology, but it's, It's a very serious issue. They're destroying the souls of men, deceiving the souls of men. You know, the wickedness of this world, you know, shows itself in many ways. When a mother, 
and you might include in here a father, because they're both responsible, says, I love my body, and then turn around and kills their baby. That's not love. That's wickedness. But a lot of false religions saying that's okay. When a person says, I love myself, mutilates their body that God fashioned, and they mutilate with transition therapy, drugs, and surgeries, and, and it is not love to say to those people, it's okay. And this is just another tactic of the devil to blame God for who he made you. It is loving to say that God made you the gender you are for his purpose and his glory. See, when you and I are interested in me, myself, and I, we're just like the devil. That's what he said. I will be like. I will sit on the sides of the north. I will sit. I will, I will be, exalt myself. I will be like the most high. Yeah, there is no love, no true love in this world without God. When you and I, in creation, we see God's love in creation, God made man for fellowship. He would come in the cool of the day and walk and talk with Adam and Eve. For a, he, he made them for a mutual Mutual fellowship. He provided man with everything he needed for life and happiness, even a help meet for him. In Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8, and verses 25 to 31, Proverbs 8, verses 25 to 31, the Bible says this, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, speaking about Christ. Well, as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set the compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was always I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, weighing at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. You see, God delights. His delights. The Son of God, it's referring to the Son of God here. It's referenced to the Son of God here in Proverbs 8. And his delights were with the sons of men. That's what God delights in. 
in uh, Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, Blessed, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all those in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. In Deuteronomy 23, 5, the Bible says there, Then nevertheless the Lord thy God will not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Jeremiah 31, 3, The Lord hath appeared of old times, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You know, God loves. Man, and you know, these verses particularly apply to Israel, but the fact that the Lord loved Israel did not mean that he had no love for the Gentiles. Israel, Israel was chosen in special covenant as a people of God to be witnesses to the nations. In fact, look at Isaiah chapter 43. We see this in Isaiah chapter 43. You know, just as we, as God's people, his, his, you might say we're his covenant in the New Covenant, we, His churches, and we're to be witnesses to those outside the kingdom of God. Uh, in Isaiah 43, verse 8 through 12, the Bible says, Bring forth the blind people that have ears, and the deaf that have, or the blind people that have eyes, I'm sorry, and the deaf that have ears, that all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, It is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there is no God form, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and I have showed whom there was no, when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. See, Israel was to be the witnesses to the nations of the love of God. And think about it. Joseph was taken to Egypt. And in Egypt, he testified of the power and glory of God. Egypt had witness to the truth. Jonah was sent to Nineveh, a Gentile nation, in fact, an enemy of the nation of Israel. That's why he didn't want to go. But he was sent there by the Lord God to preach the gospel to the Ninevites. So they wouldn't be destroyed. De- Daniel was a witness in Babylon to two world powers. Babylonian and then the Medo-Persians under Darius. You have Mordecai and Esther in Persia. You have Nehemiah in Persia. Ezra, who we heard in Sunday class, was referred to as the scribe of the God of heaven by the king. What were all these Jews doing in Gentile nations? They were testifying that God is God. The God of Israel is the God of heaven. Isaiah 42.1 
Speaking about Christ, it says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect and whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. See, God so loved the world. That wasn't a new thing when you come to the New Testament. God always loved the world. That is an eternal truth. He always delighted with the sons of men. Isaiah 49, 6, again, he said, It is a light thing thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee a light for the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. See, God's, God has, this love is of God. God is love. In Acts 14 and verses 15 through 17, it says this, and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passion with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk on their own ways. He, you know, he suffered it. He put up with it. He endured it. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people. You know, Psalm 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Firm it showeth his handiwork. Romans 1, 20 says, The invisible things of him from creation are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, God... Love is of God, and God has always loved mankind. When we say the world, we're we're not talking about the world system. We're talking about man. The love of God is to everyone. He is not willing that any should perish. From the, the worst sinner in the gutter to the, the, the most self-righteous man, it doesn't matter. He loves them all. Because love is of God. It's who He is. It's part of who He is. Third thing we see here is the demonstration of love. Verse 9 and 10 says, and this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son in the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Since the root of love of God is giving, then it's obvious that it is demonstrated by acts. You know, giving is an action word. It speaks of an action. And I want to notice several things here. God sent 
Here's, here's an action. God sent his only begotten son. That word only begotten, there in verse 9, again, as I've mentioned many times, speaks of one of a kind. Unique. One of a kind. You know, there is only one Son of God. Now, we are many sons, but there's only one Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one. Yet God the Father sent His only Son to die. The only one. To die. And Jesus illustrated this to the Jews in a, in a parable. Go to, go to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Jesus spoke of this to the Jews in a parable. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 33, he says this. Here in another parable, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about, digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let out the husbandmen and went into a far country. Now, the householder is God the Father. The vineyard is Israel. The husbandmen are the Jews. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent servants, his servants to the husbandmen, that is, Jewish people, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husband took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. What did they do to the prophets? They beat him and stoned him. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, that they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbands saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Let us seize on his inheritance. And they cast him out. Or they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his hus- vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. His, him, him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind in the powder. Notice, and when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard this parable, they perceived that he spake of But you know the interesting thing is they didn't repent. Instead, they sought to lay hands on him. They sought to lay but when they thought they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. The only thing that kept them from killing him right then and there was they were afraid what the people would do. No, God loves that he sent his only son knowing what they would do 
to him. And notice also that the sending of his son was out of love for us. Was out of love for us. Again, verse 9. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, this love is manifested toward us. Do you ever stop and consider what God has done for us? It was simply out of love for us. And so as we think about Proverbs 8 when he says, My delights were with the sons of men. Truly he delights in man. To the point where he's willing to send his son for the redemption of man. To bring him back to himself. And I asked, why, what value is there? Do you somehow make God a better person because you've received of his benefits? No. See, that's real, real love. You know, often we love people because we want love in return. We want to be treated good, so we treat people good. That's a worldly love. That's a worldly motive. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, really, a, when it boils down to it, it's a selfish motive. There was no gain for God to redeem us to himself. He's already perfect. He already has all power. He's already all-knowing. He's already everywhere. He, he, he rules over all. Why does he need us? He doesn't. He is, he is sufficient in himself. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. I, I'm not indispensable. Neither are you. It's just because he loves us. There are no ulterior motives. It was all giving of himself. It says that he is the propitiation for our sins. He had no sins of his own. Chapter 2 and verse, again, verse 2 says that he is the propitiation for our sin, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Peter tells us in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and verse 21, that, First Peter 2, and verse 21 says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us his answer, but he should follow in his steps, and we should be willing to suffer, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And again in 1 John 3, and verse 5 says, 
And ye know he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. You see, the sending of a son was simply out of love for us. It did not make God better. I believe that me loving my wife has improved my life. It's made my life better. I've benefited from that. But there's no benefit on God's end. It's just that he is good. It's toward us. Ephesians 1 tells us what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Usward, who believe. Let's notice a third thing about this. This love is continuous in duration. It's to be continuous. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Verse 11 again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, all this, this declares to us that God never stops loving us. And if we are born of him, have the life of God dwelling in our hearts by faith, we will have the love of God demonstrated in our lives also. It should be evident. It should be being demonstrated to those around us that there is the love of God in our hearts. Look at Romans chapter 5. We'll look at a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, not only so, but with glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If you know God, the love of God is going to be in your heart by the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is going to be working to shed, bring that out of your heart. That's the idea. The, word, the, 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 the Spirit of God is going to be working to, to bring forth the love of God. It, 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 it like, it's like a, a pot that's boiling over. It's bubbling over. And it can't help to, to, to uh, uh, come out and affect others. It should be shed abroad. Because he's working in our hearts. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And verses 1 through 6. Galatians 5, verse 1 through 6. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty of whether Christ hath made us free. Be not again entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Yeah, and he's saying, look, don't go back to a work salvation. 
There's no salvation when there's works involved. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. True faith worketh by love, the love of God that dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. So if the Spirit of God is not bringing forth the love of God in your heart, maybe you're deceived. Because John says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And if you have the life of God in you, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, who is love. And He's going to work in your life. To manifest the love of God. He's the energy of love that comes from within the Spirit of God. <clears throat> this is explained for us a little bit in Philip in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where he says, my, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, he's going to begin to work in you to do what is pleasing to God. And what is pleasing to God is that you love one another as I have loved you. Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In verse 2 and 3, he says, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. They got something new. Charity. Charity is the strongest word the English... Our King James Bible uses for the word love in the Bible. And it really means giving. Their care, one for another, greatly increased. You see, this love is not of us. It's not of us. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We are the children of wrath, Ephesians 2 tells us, full of anger, upset. That's the way Satan is. You see, we are commanded to love one another. But if you're going to love one another, you have to know the one who is love. Love is of God. It's not of human nature. It's of God. Does the love of God dwell in you? Is it, you know, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It is part of who he is. Is it part of you?
this is the commandment that he's given us from the beginning. That we would love one another as he loved us.